Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 17, this time as we go over our tournament report for Kill Team at Tabletop Republic. As always, I am joined by Charles. Hello, how are you? Not too bad, thank you, Russell. It's very good. Yeah, we've been off for a while. Uh, We've had a quiet but busy Christmas, I would say. Over Christmas and New Year, a lot of times it's when people kind of have a lot more stuff to do, so... Gaming does fall a bit to the side. Yeah, because we meant to do more Critcast episodes uh, for Kill Team. So it's just uh, a bit of a lag. But we've caught up-ish. We're kind of back on schedule because today, as I said, we're talking about our recent tournament. Because, uh, yeah, we went to a store called Tabletop Republic in High Wycombe. Uh, I found the event via Glass Half Dead's Discord just because, you know, in London, we're actually well populated with events. But me and Charles have been unable to make the London events because they've been announced very, very, very short notice for us. Yeah. Uh, but it turned out by convenience, like we were able to go to this tournament. So, like, yeah, so we were able to pop down. Uh, event prep wise, I mean, I don't think we did any pretty much. <laughs> not, not really, other than just keeping up with the uh, the kill team news going around because there, there was also uh, new FAQs that came out just before the event, which they weren't using because they, they came out too soon. Yes. And uh, the th- one thing about this event is actually had a proper rules pack, which was really... Well, it was in the event description, and they sent it via email. So it's basically, uh, you know, they sent the cutoff for rule submissions and roster submissions, and then they showed the missions we were playing. So mission one was... What was it? Uh, escalating hostilities, then domination, then master the terminal. So we had a fair idea of what we were playing. The interesting thing is, because Facebook doesn't give accurate numbers, we were unsure if it was going to be like four, 16 players. So like for kill team selection, I went with Pathfinders because they were the last kill team I've played and I basically know how to play them. Because yeah, as I said, we haven't had any practice games since our last tournament in November-ish. And then I think Charles, what did you go with again? I took the the Forge Wolf from the Compendium. I'm I am trying to build a um, a veteran guard team out of Cadian models that I have. Um, I just haven't got around to finishing them uh, yet. So I took the the team I kind of know the best inside and out, and uh, took that. Yeah, because we're pretty much rusty, but you know we've got the the basics down. So yeah, that, that was pretty much um, all the uh, event prep we did, uh, as well as like kill team selection. And then, yeah, we turned up on the day uh, and pretty much played. Like what we were shocked about was um, there were eight players all together. Everyone was using a different kill team, which was nice to see. Nice to see. Uh, oh yeah, before we go on to things, I did consider running a different kill team. But the problem was, as I wanted to actually run Novitiates, but I couldn't get them painted in time. And I thought about asking the event either how many players they had or if anyone else was taking Pathfinders because, you know, I didn't kind of want to be the only Pathfinders. But the problem I have with that is that I feel that's kind of like gaming the tournament because it happened in a previous London tournament where basically there was one guy only playing Pathfinders. So after, like, the problem is teams are locked in, like, in advance so it turned up on the day, saw all the teams. No one was playing Pathfinder, switched to the other team. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's a really 
big thing to do, you know, go in, I'm going to take a weaker t- team instead, which is fine. But the problem is you do that after you see everyone else's kill team. No, and I'm not trying to like throw accusations here, but personally, I find that just, I, I can't do that because it's kind of gamey and even going, oh, there's only like six people going, I'll bring this kill team. So I was like, I'll just go with like my Pathfinders and come up, mate. I did paint three new miniatures, no, five new miniatures because I could it only took me a day to paint them. But um, yeah, because interesting, I discussed it with people at the tournament and they were like kind of the same. They were like, yeah, don't feel bad for bringing Pathfinders and like, yeah, it's weird if you did, uh, you know, ring up and ask how many people are going to gauge what you want to take because it just feels iffy. I don't know what your opinion that, on that is, well, Charles. The the problem is if you depending on how far away the event is. Like for us, High Wycombe's not so bad. Like by even from my house, it was about an hour and a half in total travel time. So it's not that far for me to go. And if they did only turn out to be four or six people, it's not a huge thing. But if I've gone to say um, up to Birmingham to a game store up there, and I've had to travel for four to five hours, and I turn up and only four people turn up, I've I will have felt that I've wasted my time. Um, I may still have fun on the day, but it will feel a lot worse because I've had to travel so far and there was a little turnout. But like on the event, it may have seemed, said like, oh yeah, 20 people interested slash going to the event and you only get a handful of people turn up. So there is there is a good thing for like contacting the store going, oh, can you tell me how many people have confirmed? Just because you, sometimes you don't want to have to travel all that way at sometimes an expense yourself to turn up to a very small event, which you are helping the event by turning up, but it does come down to a time versus cost versus interest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to doing it in a, a gaming way. So like, well, especially if you have to like pre-submit a force you're taking and if he was going to change from taking Tau, like, why did he take Tau in the first place? Why didn't he just pick a different force? Um, again, that's, that's, that's a, a non that's a non thing he did choose to use a different force so that's up to him but i mean if you're gonna if you're considering to take what is arguably one of the best factions at the moment and then you suddenly go oh no i'm not gonna take it and like well why did you bother choosing it in the first place and it goes the same for anything in any game like if you're bringing if you're bringing the meta list and then you suddenly decide not to because you've seen the field that's a bit of a gamey choice and generally is frowned upon in most situations. Yeah, so I'm not, once again, I'm not trying to like throw oh yeah, not, not but it's just specifically at this person, but it's, it applies to anything. Um, and especially if you sometimes you get people who will take a less powerful list and then do the opposite and then take a more powerful list when they see the field. Yeah, I've um, seen people do that as well. It's mainly in Underworld, so that's the funny thing. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, yeah, so I locked into Pathfinders and my roster, because I still remember that. So the easiest way to say it is I took a leader, a normal Pathfinder, all the specialists. I took two gunners with iron rifles. I painted up and took two more gunners with uh, rail rifles. And then I painted up and took all the drones. So I took the gun drone, marker drone, recon drone, and then the pulse accelerator drone and the grav inhibitor drone. So that was mm. my roster. Uh, what were you? What was your roster, Charles? If you remember it. Uh, so, well, my roster has been the the same roster running the Forge World team, which is um, a Vanguard and a Ranger Fire team, uh, both with one of each of the special. Well, what, both with a 
arc rifle and a plasma calverine. I haven't made any of the um, the arquebuses because again, I'm it's it's a good gun if you can use it right. I just don't think I'm ever going to play it, use a game where it's going to get used properly. Um, a leader for both of them, and then eight um, Sakarans with a three three of them as rust stalkers. Uh, three no sorry two of them as rust stalkers four of them as infiltrators and then uh, an alpha for both of them um and i've got um, most of them have got um well all of the infiltrators have got um stub carbines there's some of them some of them have power weapons some of the taser goads uh just because that's how i built them when i was first building them to give me the choices but it's a uh, the same thing i've been running and it, it, it what i find it gives me the best flexibility of what I can choose to run. Um, and I, c- I can get better rules for certain things if I ran the Forge World White Dwarf team, the Hunter Clade, but I, I still feel for my playstyle, I prefer the flexibility of the Forge World team from the Compendium. Yeah, because I did actually encourage you to like take, uh, what do you call it, Hunter Clades? But, yeah. You know, you actually have had more practice with the Forge World. And I do think the general Forge World team suit you better than Hunter Clades because Hunter Clades, you have to learn how to play Recon, and Recon makes you play the game very differently to other kill teams. Yeah. But other also, archetypes, but, sorry. But like I say, it's also you get more tactical flexibility with the Forge World team, being able to either choose two teams with special weapons, or if you if you wanted to, you could go all for Sakarans. Um so you, you get a bit more model flexibility, whereas you don't get some of the special rules that you do get from the Hunter Clade. Yes. But it's like, uh, as I said, that's why when I did my tier list, I basically ranked them the same because it becomes just like yeah. a matter of choice. They, yeah, they very much are, uh, unlike what was said uh, previously, where you have the White Dwarf version of a team and the Companion version team. And like in the Warp Coven case, Warp Coven is much better than the Thousand Sun team. The Hunter Clade and the Forge World team are very much a. Either one can do mostly what they can both do. They just do them in slightly different ways, and then one doesn't replace the other. It's more a a play choice style. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so that was pretty much it uh, for kill team selection, event prep, and stuff. So we'll go off for game one. So Charles, how well, you can go first? How did your game one go? Uh, my game one, uh, it wasn't too bad because that was the um, dom- not domination, um, escalating hostilities, es- escalating hostilities. Yeah, because they're they're similar. Um, it wasn't too bad. It sh- it was against um, Warp Coven uh, was the first game I was against, and it went kind of okay. I decided to take um, two lots of. Uh, the the two shooting teams. Oh, wait, was it was Warp Coven the first game, or was that the? No, I think you did yeah. play Warp Coven first. Yeah, no, yes. yeah, because you then played them in the second round. Yes. Um, yeah, so I played the Warp Coven in the first round. I took um, the double shooting team, so I took uh, the Vanguard and the Rangers um, to give me because it's because it's a Space Marine team. It's the the extra the extra plasma gun, the extra arc rifle are just what you need to kind of punch through them. Um, and uh, I took the I took the two teams. He had three sorcerers, one rubric marine gunner, and then four zangors. Um, and it was uh, a pretty even game 
I say even game, like early on, I had the advantage because I had the range on him because the sorcerers only have pistols. The uh, the gunner, he managed to get one shot off after being teleported onto a vantage point, and then he got gunned down. Uh, and I managed to kill three of his Zangors before they'd managed to really move out of his deployment zone. Um, where it really switched was into the mid towards late game, as we're having to be forced towards the middle of the board. Um, it was some really bad rolls on my side, combined with some amazing, uh, amazing psychic power usage from the uh, sorcerers, and some amazing save rolls. Um, just failing to failing to kill them, them being able to then use the psychic power to heal wounds back up, finish my guys off, and it was it was so close that it came down to the final my final actions of. If I do X, I can score X points. If I do Y, I can score the same number of points. Which one do I attempt? And I, I, I did probably the wrong choice, which would have possibly swung the game in my favor. But it was um, thirteen to uh, eleven to my opponent. Um, we, I scored eight primary. He scored seven primary, but he managed to score six on his tack ops. So I only scored three um. Um, because I had. Um, Central control. I had um, the playing security, so I had central control. I had the holder piece of terrain, and I had to hold the line. And the the problem was, we, there was on the the map. There was the it was, we were all playing on Octarius terrain on all four boards, and they were all the exact same layout. And he had the we had the oil pump in the middle, so I picked that as my um, piece of terrain to hold because it goes well with central control. Um, but just having the three action point space marines meant I was having to put twice as many people on the point to be able to try and contest it, and he can just kill them quite easily. Um, he had a very good shot with the warp, uh, the warp flame pistol, which managed to take out two guys. Um, so in in the last turn, it literally swung from a win to a loss to him just by two points. So it was a very very close game, very fun, but. It was one of those ones where a few dice rolls different would have been an utterly different game. But it was still really good fun. Oh, no, yeah, it sounds good if it's like that super close, because those yeah. are usually the best. It, it did come down to my final like action choices on the final turn. If I do, if I, I, I could do it in two different ways, both ways could win me the game, but the way I chose didn't end up working from just bad luck. And then it allowed my opponent to just pip a point and it switched to a win to him. Yeah, because uh, it's like uh, with Escalating Hostilities, it's a six-objective mission. Then yeah. basically you have two on your side, two on your opponents. You're playing lengthways. And then there's right? two yeah. across the middle. Two in the yeah. middle. And basically after the, after the end of the initiative step for turning point two, you each yeah. remove one of your objectives then you repeat the same in the second turning point, and when third, there are only two, third, sorry, when there are only two objectives, there were four, uh, two each, so it's a full, total of four. So it's a slow build up. Because mm. uh, yeah, the, uh, the final turns are important to hold those objectives because they're they're suddenly worth two each on the final turns. Yes, uh, but for my game, I was playing against Compendium Gene Stealers. Uh, I've already covered my events on my youtube so you can if you want a more in-depth i'll still talk about them more here but uh i thought he was gonna have uh the the wor worm blade 
But then after I picked my kill team, he was I was like, oh, why are you using like Acolyte hybrids? He's like, oh, yeah, because the worm blade aren't legal. And I was like, oh, because uh, if it wasn't Compendium, I might not have taken like some of the drones. I might have tested out the Accelerator or the Grav Wave. Because uh, my roster, which I took for the entire tournament, is my leader. Then I took all the specialists. So it's like the medic, comms, transpectral interference, grenadier, uh, drone controller, medic. I took, uh, then you've got like the special sniper guy. I only take one weapons expert, which was always the ion rifle, because my game plan is generally Markalite stuff. So when you've got five Markalite tokens with the ion rifle, it generally kills anything. Then I take a gun drone, a marker drone, and a recon drone. And the reason I don't take double gun is because I actually my game plan is very focused on my marker lights. And I found when I was playing with double weapons expert, you're relying more on the gun just firing it by itself. And when you're hitting on fours, especially over overheating with the iron rifle, you go from four dice to five, but then it gets hot. So on one, you take like four mortal wounds. Uh, three. Three mortal wounds, sorry. So I prefer doing that with marker lights because then all of a sudden it goes from freeze to hit. You know, you get a reroll, ignore cover, like doing five slash six damage with AP one basically kills anything you shoot at. So that was me. Uh, I, for my equipment wise, I take uh, once again it was pretty much the same. It was only different for this mission where I take the enhanced targeting optic on my sniper, the sniper rifle guy and the weapons expert, because generally they're the ones I used to kill stuff. Then I took enhanced marker lights on my leader and blooded pathfinder, and I took, um, what do you call it, an EMP grenade on another pathfinder, I think my medic. So just because I was like, oh, you know, he's going to bunch up, I might as well test out the EMP. Never really used it, so we'll see how that goes. And effectively, turning point one, uh, because there was basically... It was all Octarius terrain, so we had the pump in the middle, two Octarius buildings just outside our drop zones, and then two further up on the side, one on each side. Uh, so I slowly moved up. I had to watch out for his heavy weapons guy, because he only had one heavy weapon with a mining laser and grenade launcher. So I was like, two marker lights on the, what do you call that, mining laser. He didn't move. Did another two marker lights. Then he moved uh, two normal what do you call them? Gene Stiller cult guys, like a neophyte. Like neophyte. Yeah, neophyte. He moved them onto like objective two. And then I was like, okay, cool. He can't kill them now. So I moved, like, I was like, I'm going to just kill that mining laser because that's the main mine threat. So I moved my drone controller to, up to see the, what do you call it? A recon drone, use the recon drone to dash onto the building and analyze my sniper. And then my sniper just blew him away with like a crit and free hits. So just because it, because he rolled a hit with his dart rounds, so it did two mortal wounds. Uh, he had a five-up save, and he failed both of his two saves because I had AP1, and effectively I did like 12 damage, just blew this guy away. Uh, I found out after the game, he was actually trying to move that guy away, but his the two neophytes were blo body blocking because he'd, he'd hit everyone basically behind this central building to keep him out of line of sight, but he had to move out for the objectives. He popped his banner, then moved his grenade launcher onto the vantage point. And I thought he was going to kill my grenade carrier because I was like, he's only behind light, but you're on a vantage point. Only rolls a single hit. 
Rerolls, still only get a single hit, and I'm like, I'm behind cover, even though you're using your crack round. And then he used his um, stratagem to turn back to concealed. And then effectively, at the end of turning point one, I put five Markalites onto him and then shot him and killed him. His his leader was on objective five, so I did a YOLO shot with my, um, what do you call him, iron rifle guy. And I, <laughs> I rolled... Two crits and two hits and a one. And I used the come because uh, I'd popped bonded at the start of the game and I rerolled that one into a crit. And then he was like, Yeah, my leader's dead. So, because he, he passed one save on a crit, which is nice. And then he took 22 damage. So his leader very much died. But he also didn't realize that you measure from the center of objectives, not the edges. So it, at the end of turning point one, I controlled two objectives. He and I only controlled one. And then effectively at the end of turning point two, I wiped him out. So he had one he had one guy left, uh, but I wiped him out. And, you know, he 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 played on for turning point three where he finally won priority. And then I popped a worthy cause to just shoot, uh, move back because he charged a guy into my leader. I moved back, shot. Then he charged my leader because I couldn't kill him and then killed my leader, but he didn't score his tapok tack up, which was I think um in in capture hostage and infiltrate because I dashed back closer to my operatives so he couldn't actually score that and he it ended 18-2 uh, like I can't describe it more than after I killed the gunner the heavy gunner and his leader turning point two I just massacred everyone because they were effectively all in the open or chained I did pop an EMP grenade that just wounded people because it's only two slash three damage and because he only has a five up save I didn't actually roll any crits I just rolled fours to hit so I only did like for damage oddly my drones were really effective in combat uh, he like <laughs> like he charged one drone died he charged another drone he he killed the drone but he took four damage back because my drones kept rolling crits in combat and it was just like yeah it was rough um partly it was just mainly markalites really because literally i could just markalite stuff and just negate what i wanted to kill but that that was pretty much my game one uh, and to quickly touch upon this we'll talk about the toilets because i think I, I did this with a YouTube video. Toilets were really good. Probably some of the best I've seen. They had air freshener, deodorant, all of that. The only thing they were missing were hand towels, so I would give it a 9 out of 10. I think you pretty much agree as well on the toilet, Charles. It was it was perfectly fine. Better than uh, better than some places' bathrooms. Uh, but on that note, the, the store itself, really nice gaming space, plenty of space around everywhere. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's a really, really good store to visit if you if there's any events going on at High Wycombe and... Uh, you're at least semi-local to the area. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, because I forgot to add at the start, obviously me and Charles like triple vax and like uh, like I test myself before we go. But even when we went to the store, there was like hand stations everywhere. Super spaced out. Um, they were all using Ecteris terrain for everyone and everyone was masked up. So that was that was mm. pretty cool. Uh, but Charles, what was your game two like? Uh, so going into game two, I was against the Plague Marine player uh, and... He unfortunately only seemed to have just Plague Marines in his list. Oh, uh, so again, I took um, he didn't he didn't have any Plague Bearers. So I I took the, again the the double shooting list, um, and again Plague Marines really don't like being shot with AP and high damage weapons. Though he he was making a large number of disgusting resilient saves, but it was um, this one was domination. So it's the five point mission in a kind of X pattern with the deeper deployment zones and you have to hold at least two objectives to get one point hold more than your opponent to get another point and then hold your opponent's ones to get more points 
Um, so again, it's a very difficult to store mission. And for the first two turns, because he he had he had his uh, lead, he had his leader, he had a plasma gunner, he had um, a fighter with plague knives, and then he had two. Uh, he had an icon bearer, and then he had a normal plague marine. So it's unfortunately it's just five space marines, and even though we had the the deeper deployment zone, they are just so slow is the problem. Um, and he he hadn't read how the bell equipment works properly that it doesn't. The bell doesn't actually apply to the person holding the bell, and you have to. Use, it's when they activate within range of the bell. So, his first activation was moving the bell person up, so then none of his other people got the extra movement from it. Um, it's unfortunate. It's just he hadn't he hadn't played very many games of Kill Team, so it was one of those ones of when you read a rule once, you think, oh, you use it, then everyone within range gets the ability for the rest of the turn. Whereas it the way it's worded, it's when the model activates within range, it gains the the bonus. Um, but yeah, the the first turn was quite painful for him. Uh, he was he he had three of them concealed and two engaged. Uh, we both selected uh, infiltrate for our uh, scouting. Uh, so his plasma gunner was actually concealed to begin with. Um, so he he then moved his plasma gunner up onto a piece of terrain to shoot. Uh, after turning him to engage, he shot one of my uh, one of my uh, I think he shot one of my plasma guns, uh, and he melted him because that's what plasma guns do. But then suddenly, this plague marine's now stuck up on a vantage point in front of my three other specialists, who just turned him to mush even through disgusting resilient. Um, the first cu- the first couple of turns was me picking off his marines from range where I could just because I had the advantage. Um, and the first two turns, I scored two points to his one point, and then it suddenly, in turn three, the Plague Marines, had, the remaining Plague Marines had managed to get across the board. They started denying me my attack ops because they were just getting in range of my deployment zone to hold the line. Um, we, he was uh, stopping me getting, again, central control because of their uh, action points. And suddenly, just the they became so much more resilient because he suddenly was passing lots more disgusting resilient roles. Um, it came down to one plague marine left versus I think two or three of my guys. Um, but he just met, he'd managed to complete uh, a couple more of his tack ops. Uh, so it was I think it was six six on primaries. Uh, I think it was. Four, three on secondaries, so he won by a point. Um, if again, if uh, if one of his plague marines had died a turn earlier, I would have scored at least one or two more tackop points, and it would have switched back over. Um, so again, it was a very close, uh, again a very close game, where it came down to what happened in the end of turn four, suddenly determining who was the winner by. Suddenly, oh well, these end of game tack ops, you do score this one, you don't score that one, and it just flipped a point over, and it was—I think it was eleven ten was the final score. Uh, oh so again, wow! Really, really close game and a really good game. Like he was—he got really demoralized in turn. Well, in turns one and two, where I'm just picking his plague marines across the board with my high strength firepower. And he's got to literally get his three other guys across the board to actually be able to do anything. 
Uh, but then suddenly, in turn three, his disgusting resilience just turned on, and you had these plague marines just literally just walking through fire, um, and it just not affecting them. Uh, so it was it was a very cinematic and fun game, but he he almost almost gave up in turn two, but it's good he didn't because it ended up becoming a a victory. So, but it was a, again very good game. Just it's one of those ones. Playgreens suffer so much from their lack of speed and just low model count. Uh, it's just the same problem that most of the elite factions have. Um, but it hurts Playgreens most just because of the speed issue. Yeah, because they're only two white, and even though they're action point limit free, so they can yeah. move and dash. And like the problem, even with the bell, if you play with the bell, everyone with, has to be near the bell, so you can't well, spread that's out. Thing, yeah, you you have to you have to use the bell model first. And then everyone else has to be within range of the bell when they activate to gain the extra movement. So it, it ends up your force becoming very clustered. And if you do try to split up to go for objectives, you're suddenly losing that movement ability. Um, it really hurts like the the fighter who has the melee weapons. He's only got a six-inch charge range um, unless you can get a bell nearby to give him the bonus. Mm. So it's a it's a, a very, I think, a very difficult team to play, but if you can play it well, use cover. Um, he also did use the, uh, they have a dug-in stratagem that gives them an extra defense dice if they're in cover. Or just, I think it just gives them extra defense dice. And it, that that also really saves, because suddenly they go up to four defense dice wow. and disgusting resilience. And they are very difficult to shift then, even with like AP2 from a plasma gun. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, but like I say, again, it, it was a really good game. It was It was a narrow loss that happened in the end of turn four. So it wasn't like it was a game over at any point. It was a very, very, very close game. Uh, how was? How did your game two go? Yeah, so game two, uh, I ended up playing against the guy Charles played. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, who had the same loadout. So he had three sorcerers, uh, sorry, Pekana, and then the rest, I think, four Zangors. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, I was, I was telling Charles, I was like, you know, because it was, I th- we couldn't guess who it was because I was either going to play, like, there were only three other undefeated. And I was like, um, it was either going to be, there were a Tyranid player with six warriors, then the Novitiates. Mm. And I was kind of like, kind of would like to play the Tyranids. I, I don't mind playing, I, I, like, the one I didn't want to play were <laughs> the Warp Coven. So obviously I got matched into the Warp Coven. <laughs> Uh, and Charles said, he's like, once again, this guy's really good with his positioning and stuff. So I was like, okay. Um, and when we deployed, because it was domination, so we had, because it's a nine-inch drop zone, we had a, a vantage point in each of our terrain, in each of our drop zones. So I deployed behind and around it. He deployed everything behind it. So just hmm. on, on my side, I could see nothing. So he actually played really well. Uh, he moved his... And going with equipment-wise, the only thing I changed is I dropped the EMP for another Enhanced Marker Light. Uh, so I basically had three Enhanced Marker Lights and then a fourth one for my Marker Drone. So then he moved his Zangors. He actually beat me in the scouting phase, which hasn't happened in, like, months. Because I hmm. picked Recon, to, no, Infiltrate to change order, and he picked Fortify just to go first. And I was like, it's really good. So I had the problem of, even though he only had eight operatives... I had 12. So going if like going back and forth, he effectively would have, even though I would get the last activations, it would not be in a way I wanted because I was hoping to go first, no, hoping to win priority to make him go first. But anyway, he moved his Zangos out. 
And then in the pregame discussion, I always ask people like if they know how my rules work, if there's any questions they have. You know, you know, he asked what my operatives did, and I was like, "Oh, do you know how marker lights work?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, they're fine. I don't know how that works." He's like, okay, cool. So basically, he moves angles out. Then after this, like back and forth of chess, where I was just trying to waste operatives on like because it's an action point to claim an objective, and it's yours until someone else claims it. So I was like waiting up. And to tempt out, I was like, screw it. I He has no way to reach the central objective, but I had deployed a gun drone close to it. So I moved up my gun drone with the drone controller and claimed one. I was like, cool, now I have three. And then he was like, cool. Then he moved his sorcerer up onto the vantage point, shot one of my operatives, failed to do any damage and switched back to conceal. And I was like, perfect. Because this was like his fourth activation. So I put, I activated my transpectral guy after that, put my, minus one APL on him and just moved because I was kind of going in a bait out position of like, ah, oh, I'm doing minus one APL. So when you next activate your sorcerer on turning point two, it's two APL, this is a free. But that was just my back out bait because then after that, he moved his angle and I was like, perfect. So then I started tagging him via concealed. He moved his soul reaper cannon up onto the vantage point as well shot the drone, didn't kill it because it's like he rolled like two hits or something. And I, uh, no, he rolled three hits, but even with my, uh, no, he rolled four hits, but I made two saves on four ups. And my drone just survived on like one wound. And I was like, yes, my drone's like billowing smoke, but I still control one. Um, And then he teleported the Zangor near one, not within range, but behind the barricade near one. So then, because I now had three targets in the open, I, I ended up putting five Markalites on his leader. I shot my blooded Pathfinder had the enhanced Markalite, so she enhanced Markalited his Sorcerer up to five because he had three by then, and then just shot into his um, Soul Reaper and did a crit and three hits. So then that Soul Reaper went down to four wounds just because of like, he was like, oh my gosh. And then I switched my Sniper to engage um blew his sorcerer away because I was like, uh, no, sorry, the sorcerer had four marker lights, but when I shoot with my sniper specialist, he has enhanced uh, enhanced targeting optics. I was like, cool. I rolled a crit, uh, two crits because uh, it has lethal five up on the engage profile. So you automatically take four mortal wounds. And then I just rolled two more hits. So I had two crits and two hits. And he was just like, um, I have a... F- I can either take three five ups in Vons or two armor saves. And he's like, I'll take two armor saves because technically that's that's better than the five up in Vons because I was ignoring cover as well. And he only saved one and like, his sorcerer just exploded. Then I just did, I, I ran up with my ion rifle. Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, my ion rifle. He just shot at the, uh, no, it wasn't my ion rifle. It was just a normal guy. I think it was my leader. He moved up onto the vantage point, shot his sorry Reaper, killed it. And then my iron rifle just did a YOLO blast onto the Zangor uh, and killed it. Uh, no, not my, uh, it was the recon drone. Sorry, the recon drone. I was just like, the recon drone is just going to waste a shot. And then rode, because uh, he had like one marker light on the, on, the, on the Zangor. So I rode three hits. I rode a crit and two hits and then two ones and a two. So I got to make three rerolls because it has ceaseless because it can reroll the ones. And then it just killed that Zangor. Because he didn't realize what Markalites did. Because he was like, he thought Markalites were just rerolls. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I, 
I thought you knew. And he's like, oh, because basically I was tagging a sorcerer because I could see his spear, um, his spear, because it was so tall. And then, yeah, yeah. So at the end of turning point one, I controlled three objectives. He controlled two. And like I'd killed one of his sorcerers, his Soul Reaper cannon and his Angor. So he was down to like five operatives. I win priority for turning point two, throw a melter on his flying sorcerer who was hiding behind the heavy terrain, knock him down to one wound. He moves and dashes. He dashes over to claim one because he has fly, moves back to hide. Then I effectively rush the point, kill his other source, uh, kill his other Zangors, and then kill the sorcerer for turning point three because I move up uh, with a worthy cause because I left a guy on one. So a worthy cause point blank to sorcerers on one wound and killed him. And then, yeah, I wiped out all of his guys apart from one sorcerer for turning point four. He had the tack up where he had to control one because I had to nominate an objective for him to control and I had to kill one of my operatives, which was the Transpectral. And he did fire a warp blast at him, but left him on two wounds. And yeah, so effectively, um, from turning point four, I was controlling all the objectives and my tack ops, as I should have said in the last game, were plant signal beacon, which I think is the best for uh, recon, because you just have to drop it within red of the drop zone for two action points. So I give I use the comms to give some plus one AP to move up and drop it. And I usually do that as my last activation, because any operative can do it. And once you drop that, your opponent has to come over and pick it up to stop you claiming it. So you get one for just holding it and two for doing the... Uh, no, you get two for just dropping it and if your opponent picks it up you don't score it but obviously he had no way to stop it and then i picked like uh, what's it called overrun so have operatives in every quarter and uh kill more faction tech up free so kill more while engaged so yeah i got 16 points on that because i couldn't max out primary i got 10 on the primaries of the 12 and yeah it was just it, it was frustrating for my opponent because he was. He, I told him he was playing really well with his positioning and everything. It was just the mark lights that screwed him over because he had to come out to engage. But even while he was concealed, because I can see, because I can mark light you if I see any part of your miniature, he just basically the moment he put out sorcerer, sorcerer dies, and there's nothing yeah, you can do about that. The mark lights you only have to be visible for, not in line yeah. of sight. Yeah, so I could just. I, I can see your cloak. I can see your spear. Your marker lighted, and yeah, that's pretty much how the game went. Like once I killed his key pieces, he just didn't have the firepower or numbers to contest with me. So I only ended up using like one or two operatives just because I could sniper his key pieces. But hmm. yeah, that was my game two. Very enjoyable. Very good opponent. Um, unfortunately, I just got marker lighted, which just sucks. Uh, but Charles, how did your final game go? Uh, so in the final game, I was playing against the Genesis Cult player. You played in round one. Um, he hadn't had a he hadn't had a great time in his round two either. Um, so I we went to last round. We're playing Master Terminals, and we've we've played this one several times now. We know it's a very important game where you need to score points early. And generally, if you can score a few points early, you can cut your opponent out from being able to score primary points. Um, but again, much like, uh, again, it's on the diagonal. The train was a slightly different setup, but the, um, I took, uh, the Vanguard and I took, uh, Sakarans this time and, uh, I took, uh, Sakaran Alpha and then three more normal Sakarans with, uh, infiltrators with 
uh, two of power weapons and stub carbine and one with taser gun and stub carbine um, just because they're a really good range and melee choice um, so I know the, the they do have some decent melee fighters on the Genesis Occult side um, again we'd we deployed uh, he he won the roll off for choosing attacker defender he made me defender so he could choose the first objective so as defender i basically hid the majority of my force behind the piece of octarius train that was in our deployment zone i put it so i put my gunners near enough to the corner point so they would be able to just move straight up onto the vantage point uh in my turn and fire round uh i put my and i put um three sakarans going up my left flank which is going around the long way and one going on the right um it comes to the first the scouting for the first round and i win the scouting i win the scouting um and it's i just go okay well uh, i took the servo skull on my leader so he could do uh, the mission action for one less and the way the um the train was laid out was just outside my deployment zone was one of the scam- scramble piles so i scrambled my leader across that and then he dashed away from that, and then he was in range of the objective in between our two left-hand sides. So he tagged that one on my for my first action. It's a very risky maneuver because it was throwing my leader right out in the open, but I knew it would score me a point early, and my leader can take a hit. Um, I was lucky. He he then his return fire was to move his. Heavy, uh, his uh, heavy stubber is it? He's got, uh, or my, I think it's heavy stubber. He moved that up onto um, the vantage point, shot at my leader, and it didn't really do much. Um, he he did he did a few wounds just because he he just had some bad rolls, um, and it just was a bit of a bad turn for him as the way he'd also deployed some of his guys is he deployed everything concealed because for one command point, they can, in the first turn, change their order. So he deployed people concealed, ready to move up into cover. But from where they were deployed, they were beyond two inches of light cover. So they weren't actually in any cover at all, and there was no heavy cover in the way. So I managed to pick off his uh one of his um melee specialists uh and i picked off a couple of his other um acolytes just where they weren't in cover even though they were concealed um and i think i killed three three or four people with my shooting on the first turn and he he only managed to wound a couple of my models because again he he also moved his grenade launcher up onto the again he did the really good thing he moved the grenade launcher up onto the vantage point fired off a crack grenade i think he killed one of my vanguard just a regular vanguard and then he spent a command point to instantly go back to conceal so he was he was up on a vantage point behind cover concealed so he was fine for the next turn uh and actually his grenade launcher was one of his mvps for the game because every time it fired it was doing decent damage um it's just it's a very a very versatile weapon uh, and being on vantage point allowing you to ignore light cover on the ground for concealment was uh, pretty good but i uh he didn't seem to be going for the objectives too much because um he any time he was moving out of cover towards my side of the board i was just putting overwhelming fire on 
that model and killing it. Um, so, and again, in uh, the he made my deployment objective objective one, so I couldn't claim it turn one. I made his one number two, and then the one on my left was three, and the one on my right was four. So, I basically just focused on claiming the two side objectives, which I again I I suicide ran a um, a vanguard behind the cover where the objective was. He couldn't claim it that first turn, but he was there to next turn just to walk around, claim it, and go as a first action. Go, well, I've claimed a point. Shoot me now. I don't care. Um, and I, I basically played the mission quite hard and scored. Um, I scored, uh, what was it, three, six? I, scored, I think I scored eight or nine out of the primary. Nice. Um, and he only managed to score, I think he only scored it once because he, he was having to um, manage his guys just getting picked off the moment they were the moment they weren't in cover or concealed they were just getting picked off so his his ranged acolytes the moment they shot they got shot back and again they're, they're very much just like guardsmen and like my guys they're seven wounds they've got a five up save they're they're not particularly resilient to fire um and it's just it is unfortunate you do get a lot of them but they do just crumple when shot at um, I managed to kill his rock saw before it actually managed to really do much. Um, <laughs> and I managed to sneakily uh, take out one of his other melee specialists um, because he, he there was there was a building on our left-hand side that was kind of like towards the corner. I ran one guy up right past it so he could shoot round it because he was in concealment from the rest of my force, um, who then proceeded to fail to whiff and do no damage. He then went, okay, well, I'm going to leave him there because I know he should be safe. And then I had another Sakaran who also ran up the same side who could get into another position where he could see without being blocked. Uh, and unfortunately, he then gunned down the guy. Um, it was it was just not going very well for him. His dice were not helping him at all. Uh, I had, I would say, particularly good dice in that game. Um, I got probably better than average rolls on everything, uh, barring a few rolls. Um, but again, I, I played the mission very hard and scored a lot on the mission. Uh, he managed to, just, I, again, I had central control, um, which I could very easily do with getting my getting my objective on my side of the board and being, and then going close enough to get the central control. Um, I, I, I had uh, hold the line, which he actually managed to deny one turn by uh, getting, just running a person right across the board at me. Um and then I had the hold a piece of terrain, which I, I put it. I, I chose the piece of terrain that was by objective four, so that um, he wouldn't. He either has to go and contest it, or he's not going to go and score another point on turn four. Mm. Um, so I think I scored. I think it was nine on the primary and four on the secondaries, uh, whereas he only managed to score one primary, one primary, and like two or three of his secondaries. Um, so it ended up in a. A quite a bad landslide, but from from how he's saying, most of the day when his his games were very much along the same lines as he'd do something or set something up, and then the person would just get gunned down. Uh, especially yeah. when he was, especially when he was playing against you and the Mark Lights, and it's like <laughs> there, there is no unless you can physically hide the model behind something completely, and there is no way to see it. Cow will just shoot you dead. So yes. they, they, they nullify a lot of stratagems that you would try and put into place, like, oh, well, I'll just conceal by this heavy terrain. They go, well, there's five tokens. You're not concealed. 
Um, and, and unless you're a gene stealer, um, you're not safe. Um, but yeah, we, we still played the whole route. We still played the whole game, but it, it, it by turn two and into turn three, it was a very much one-sided win to me because he was never going to get enough points from primaries to contest. Um, and he he just wasn't able to score his secondaries either. So um, it was a not a closer game as either. It was still, a, I, I still felt it was a good game, and uh, he had some. He did have some really amazing shots with his grenade launcher, um, but his defensive roles were just terrible. They were just not a single one was passing. Um, but it did end up a win. So I went. I went uh, two losses and one win. Um, not as good, but both my round one and round two games came down to final final activations of final dice rolls, and both of those games could have gone the other way. No, oh, yeah, um, that's pretty super close. Like, as yeah. I said, that's the one games to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, really, but you, how was your last round? For my final, I was playing against Novitiates, so the uh, the, the other only undefeated kill team, also Master of the Terminals. Same loadout as before, etc. So uh, this guy is, I think, is LT Badman or something in the Glass Half Dead Discord. I didn't realize until after I played him. So he's, he's known around there. But he, he, he was doing well with his novitiates. So uh, basically, we both had, uh, what do you call it, a vantage point in our terrain, in our drop zone. But you could only sit on the back edge. You couldn't actually get close to the wall, which was a nice way. Yeah, you, you couldn't start in cover on it, was the yes. thing. So I had my blooded and sniper specialist on top, and then he had his crossbow lady. So for scouting, he picked recon. I picked infiltrate. So he reconned her up to the wall because she can fire while concealed. And then what I did in my strategy phase, because I won scouting, he picked, uh, I picked, what do you call it? Recon sweep. Because I, I pre-measured, so I had enough movement with that dash to dash up to the walls. So I, I moved everyone up the right-hand flank and on to, like behind the light cover on the vantage point, so they were effectively safe from his shooting. And then I realized I deployed my drone in the middle, and then I realized, oh, wow, I can grab his objective in the top right, which is on my right-hand flank, and then the one in the bottom left easily. So uh, I went first, activated the drone controller, who moved up, activated the drone, who just moved on to the objective in the corner because he was the attacker, so he could he he turned off my objective first. And then I captured his top right, and then he was like, oh. So then he used a sniper lady who had the free act of faith equipment and shot my uh, transpectral specialist, who I had left within blue of my medic. And then I was like, cool. So he shot and then dashed off the build, well, moved off the building. And I was like, perfect. So, because I I knew he had no way to get to my bottom left objective. So then he claimed his, and, but what he missed was because his crossbow lady had her gun and cape sticking out, I could still marker light her. So after this moving back and forth, because he had no more shooting apart from his plasma pistol, because uh, every turn he was popping, my pistols have no range limit. So I got five mark. Well, I got four marker lights on his crossbow lady, and one of my last activations was moving my pathfinder with the the sniper specialist off of the building behind light cover where you could see the cape. And then I was like, he has the plus one marker lights. You have five. Uh, I rolled two crits and two hits. She died, so I eliminated her. And then I had to use my blooded Pathfinder with plus one AP to claim the bottom left. 
So even though he was the attacker, I'd scored more points turning point one. Turning point two, I popped Montcar, and then I, uh, because drones benefit from Montcar, I dashed up, activated the, I dashed up, markalated someone there with my drone controller, then activated the drone, who then uh, claimed the point again, dashed over the building for free with fly, and then shot his flamer point blank. He used faith dice to save his flamer. But I injured his flamer, which was the biggest thing. And I, my drone was now body blocking his flamer. So his flamer couldn't uh, move, dash, and burn uh, my entire right flank. So I was like, perfect. This is the. It's going for me really well. Um, <laughs> but the problem was because of his faith dice, because it's easier for them to change defenses into successes than it is to change attacks. Because I guess. You know, it's better for them to be defensive. So if I wasn't rolling four successes, I wasn't doing any damage because I was just like, I couldn't mark a light enough in to stack because I was like, I just have to control the points because he was he picked security for his um, tack up archetype. So turning point two, I managed to claim all of the objectives. He claimed none. Turning point three, he claimed two of the objectives. I claimed one. And then turning point four, I claimed two. He claimed one. And we were dead even because effectively I was killing one of his operatives but he was ahead from the first few turning points of killing mine so we were tied uh, he was doing some very good body blocking with his chainsaw lady because I kept putting minus one uh, action point on her so all she could do was just charge into stuff um, mm. so when she finally charged into something uh, at the end of turning point three I'd moved back and had given my uh, grenadier plus one APL so Moved back, melter bombed her, she disappeared. And then, yeah, so turning point four, I was baiting to contest central control because I denied it. Uh, he got it turning point one. Uh, he got it turning point two, sorry. Didn't get turning point one. No, no, I, I denied it turning point one. Then he scored at turning point two, didn't score at turning point three. Turning point four, he needed to score it because he had scored, scored hold of the line. So then I, I baited him out like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, like, not telling him to go for it, but he went for it. <laughs> so then for my last activate, my last two activations, I was like, cool. Uh, her drone, con uh, what do you call it? The comms guy gave the, the scout, uh, the marker drone, who was on the left flank, plus one APL. Then I drone controlled him to move him. So he was in red of his drop zone and then dropped, <laughs> dropped the signal beacon because he can do mission actions while drop controlled. Uh, so I managed to win by two points because if I didn't do that, it would have ended nine nine. So I managed to win eleven nine. It was it was really super tight, as I said, like because his chalice lady. Because the annoying thing is the objectives were right next to the wall of these heavy walls. So his mm. his chalice lady was sitting behind the wall, claiming the objective, but also getting free faith points every turn. And it was so hard when you just can't target her because. It was like, because it's two faith points to turn a success, uh, a failure into a success. And then defensively, it's two faith points to turn a success into a crit, free if you're doing it for an attack. So effectively, he was just going like, I'm not dead, I'm not dead. And I was like, oh. So like, the only stuff I was killing, if, if I had AP1 and I was just rolling more successes. Um, but yeah, it was super, super close as I had like, to fake out to get that win. Because I was just like, uh, I should have... I only scored faction tech up three once. I should have switched to faction tech up two because I would have maxed that out by turning point by turning point end of turning point two. And overrun, I didn't score. 
probably shouldn't have picked that. And uh, yeah, once again, it was Plant Signal Beacon that won me the game. So yeah, um, yeah. that that was my game through. Very very fun, but but tough. And then for the event overall, as Charles said, you came. You had two win, two losses, and a win. So you came. I think. Um, I think I was sixth or seventh. Um, no, sixth. I think you came sixth. And yeah. I yeah, could could have done better if it had gone, but I'm happy with it still. Yeah, I mean, you, you did pretty well considering like the lack of practice. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, I came first because I was the only undefeated player. But I also won best painted as well, so I got I got the double whammy. Uh, very happy with the best painted because I didn't think I was going to win it because they said they had uh, every meta winner in the store who was doing the judging as well as the judge. And yeah, they voted for my Pathfinder team, which was really cool. Because uh, I haven't done the win first place and win best painted since I was playing in Shadespire. So oh, that was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, overall, really good store, really good tournament. The The only downsides I have were that it was just symmetrical terrain because I prefer asymmetrical. I, uh, what about you, Charles? Do you prefer symmetrical or asymmetrical? Um, if you... If you I, I kind of prefer... I, I like both. Like, symmetrical remove some of the choice of a, like which side of the board you take because half the time you turn to a table and you're like you, you just turn up on one side don't even look at it and then you're supposed to sit down and go like oh well i'll just keep this side of the board um like symmetrical is good because a lot of the, all the missions the objective layout is also symmetrical so if the terrain is symmetrical then both pe- people have the same level of advantage but again, asymmetrical then does give you the choice of, oh, well, actually taking this side is better because it gives me a fire lane here and then it lets me have, say, this piece of vantage point where he won't have a vantage point. But it's it's very difficult to get a balanced asymmetrical layout that works for both ranged and melee kill teams. Yes. I think that the worst thing when it comes to symmetrical is stuff like uh, Master of the Terminals, because it's such a skewy mission to the attacker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if, if there's no easy... If like if the points aren't easy to get to, it can become a very, very difficult to score mission. And it's just... It's just it's only got four points. It's very hard to do. Um, it's the same thing with uh, Domination, because there's a point in the center of the board you have to kind of you can't put anything in the center of the board because you need that free for the objective marker. So even with a symmetrical layout or an asymmetrical layout, you've still got this kind of like gap in the middle of the board that becomes a horrific fire lane. Um, and that again comes down to the well, you gotta make sure you don't put too much vantage point too close to each player's side so they can just shoot across the board. Yeah, because it's like, um, that's just the main problem. Uh, as yeah. I, I also forgot to add, I hate Master of the Terminals. I've played, I think, in the last four tournaments I've played at. Three or four. Yeah, I, I think every tournament we've been to has had Master of the Terminals as one of the missions. Because the thing is, I, uh, what was it? Bad Moon did it first, just because it was a different mission selection from Warhammer World. Then I hmm. believe Warhammer World did it for their second tournament just to test out yes. the mission. And yeah. because they tested out, everyone has just been copying that mission. And it's just like, oh, mm. uh, like it. The I just hate master. Like master well, terminals it's, it's, and consecration are like the worst missions for the game. Ma- master terminals is an annoying mission because it's actually very one-sided in terms of scoring, especially if uh, it's like a you're against like a three action point team who can very easily score points early while still being effective. 
And then suddenly, if they score two or three points in the first couple of turns, you just don't really have a way to come back and win the mission without mm. wiping them out and then wiping them out in the first two turns and then maximum scoring the, next, the remaining turns. Yeah. So it's it's a very it's a very skewy mission, and you kind of either have to play the mission hard and win it that way, but if your gamble doesn't pay off, you will then just lose horribly. But I mean, overall the event was really cool. Uh, I forgot to add that they were they had pre terrain maps, so the the TO had mapped out the terrain for each game. He had yes. like the list of the terrain special rules in use, effectively like Warhammer World. A lot of the terrain wasn't painted. Some of it was just undercoated, but I'd say Whereas, that's fine because it was all Octarius well, terrain. He, he had four sets of Octarius. One one was fully done up. Uh, one was just plastic, and the other two had at least had some paint put on them. But realistically, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you've got good terrain. Yes. Um, like It's really nice to be playing on a painted board, but when you've gone, well, I've, I've, got, I've got four copies of Octarius. It's all good. It, I'm, I'm happier playing on unpainted terrain than playing on a, a random mishmash of terrain that's possibly no good for an event. And yeah, it, it's just, it just surprised me because uh, Badman didn't do it, didn't do that first. Warhammer World did, and then I'm just shocked. Like Badman are doing it now as well, but I was shocked um, that more tournaments are doing it. It's really good because, um, like, one thing I've seen down where we are, like South Central England, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of lucky with our tournaments, but this is close. To, it's like a, an hour to Birmingham or something. So it's, it's between, it's essentially kind of like between London and London and Birmingham. Yeah. Cause I've been speaking um, to people in the Midlands and they've been like, it's, it's really weird how kill team is popular, but event wise isn't kicked off there, but you know, seeing a tournament, that's quite far of London run really well. It's just really good to see. Because uh, I know, I think Just Play Games are doing theirs in Liverpool, but other stores I've yeah. seen are also following the same thing where they're, they've got like an event map and are showing what boards are being used, which is really cool because especially for Kill Team as a new game, people with like fixed terrain layouts is really nice to see. It just helps the event overall and the experience. That's the thing is if if you <clears throat> if you are able to provide the terrain and you can go okay let's do an event map and then nobody can complain that oh that's not in the right place or that's not in a good place and you go right well here's the map just make sure you set up the terrain right very simple to do and you've at least got a nice experience to play on rather than you turn up to the table maybe things have been moved around because they were like when the last people were tidying up, they moved something around and suddenly the board's a bit skew with and like something's now in the way of an objective. Whereas you go, oh, look at train map. Okay, that just needs to be moved back a bit. That needs to be moved there. And you've got a nice visual, this is how the board should be laid out. It is, uh, it is difficult for stores sometimes to be able to provide so many sets of trains to run an event. Um, but it is always, if they can, it does make the event just so much better. But again, it does put a lot of effort, or a lot of onus on the store to be able to provide it. Um, and again, like GW can do it because it's Games Workshop. They own all the terrain. Um, so they can put out a dozen sets of each terrain, whereas your local store goes, well, if I'm having to pay out of my pocket for these, I need to get the money back from running the events. Um, yeah. Uh, but overall, really good store. Uh, once again, they, I don't think they have a website, but they have a Facebook page. I'll put it in like the show notes. So it's just Tabletop Republic. 
they mm. they do a lot of 40k events as well and like uh, card they, games they and a, stuff yeah they do a lot of a lot of different gaming events um they're, they're well they've put all their events up, or a lot of their events up now that they've come back from everyone's come back from christmas so they're running a lot of different gaming events so like i say if you're if you're anywhere within range of them i would say check them out um mm-hmm. they're a pretty good store yeah it's uh, and like they i think they plan to do two to three or four more kill team tournaments in the year uh for the year coming so hopefully as long as everything's safe it'll be down they they said they can do more boards and stuff and they certainly have the space and yeah it's just a really good event as for us we aren't going to the kill team team at bad moon because actually we're in aeronautica because aeronautica was came out yeah, well, so, like the event was out what three months ago so we were able yeah, to so G- G- we put their events up um before christmas uh so book tickets for that and then suddenly uh, well book tickets for aeronautica and also book tickets for the warhammer world kill team event yes uh and then uh bad moon is now or the people running a bad moon have put their events up and it's unfortunately crossing over so can't go to yeah. that one um we should be going to the team event as well but that's looking really fun uh because the the interesting thing about the warhammer world team event so they have an interesting team selection where each person has an attacker and two def- uh, two attackers and one defender but the defender gets to pick the mission and board you play on so there's going to be three different types of boards i think so there's going to be like Chow well, we're, 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 assu- we're assuming because we know Warhammer World does has all three sets of terrain. Yeah, most likely when you turn up to each each set, you'll have one Octorius, one Chalnath, and one Verticus terrain set. Yeah. And then it does then come down to oh, your first defender. Oh, who gets to pick which board they want first? But yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of mind games for that and tactical planning, so it should be fun regardless of what happens. But um, that's looking really cool to as a as a shape. Uh, well, future events, nothing hmm. on that front for the otherwise. But we're just going to start playing more again because we have more free time. Well, that's it. Yeah, going. It's now going back into into free time time. It's just like, all right, when's an event going to go up? Is it a weekend that I'm doing something else on? Um, probably go to it and again as we as we get more new kill teams released um because gw have announced the next the next one is uh corsairs yep elder corsairs apparently it's versus chaos space marines because one of the pictures had in its name uh corsairs versus csm and the link yeah that got that got changed (laughs) they'll uh, learn not to do that again if, if it is versus chaos space marines It'll be very interesting to see what they put in the box. So. I think it's rumored to be but chaos cultists. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's but, a discussion for another time. So yeah, because at the moment I'm trying to get my novitiates are half painted, so I'm getting them finished. Then I'm going to start painting my worm blade, and obviously when when the corsair box comes out, I'll try and get it. And obviously I'm a big elder player. I've been play- elder got me into 40k, so I will be playing the elder obviously. Uh, and I think you're just working on your vet garden now, right? Isn't it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on building Vetguard out of the Cadians and, and using also the new Cadian sprue they put in the infantry box because so, it's, ah, nice, yes. it's got all the different weapon options on it. So suddenly you can go, oh, I can make these. And I started oh. working on these um, just before GW went, oh, yeah, now you can now buy plastic, the separate plastic um, Kriegers. But I'd prefer the Cadians because then I can also use them in my existing Cadian army. So yeah, That's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are planning to do these more frequently, not just for event reviews. So if, if you have any topics you'd like us to discuss, just like 
feedback to me either in the comments or like on my Facebook or Twitter or like whatever platform's easier for you, but let me know. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, thank you to Charles for well, coming on. Me. No worries. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Charles. We'll see you soon. And remember, no matter where you hide, you can't hide from my marker lights and my crits.